You sure they're not plastic? <laughs> no, they're not plastic. They're a real McCoy. Fantastic. Hello, everyone. Welcome to myself, Max McGillivray. You're streaming uh, live with us, Beanstalk Global, um, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Zoom, and also on our podcast uh, series. We are running an emergency broadcast, which sounds a bit alarmist, uh, with the title Fresh Produce. Is it unsustainable? Have we finally hit the bottom? Uh, the reason why we're running this emergency broadcast is because the issues that we're seeing in the sector um, around lack of labour, lack of haulage, uh, falling margin returns. And when we set up this broadcast, um, it, they, they say a week is a long time in politics. Who would know that we would then have issues around CO2 availability? There's been a number of industry leaders have recently written articles and open letters highlighting the significant issues that they're seeing in their particular fresh produce sectors. And those individuals are joining us so we can hear their views directly and for us to create discussion about possible solutions. Um, and the way that we're going to run this is that um, all of the gents are just going to introduce themselves. We're just going to run a short video from the Prime Minister uh, that he was live with uh, last night on, um, on BBC. Um, and then we're going to go back to our experts, our leaders, um, to hear specifically what they're seeing in the, in, the, in the sectors in their particular areas. And then at this point, we're just going to go to a free-flowing debate. And that's for you to engage with us, to, to get involved. If you've got questions of our leaders, our industry experts, we would love to hear from you. We'll have a, a Q&A. We're just talking about it in the green room. What we want to do, we always try with these, uh, these broadcasts, is to leave with a positive wrap-up. But can we, can we gain positivities in this, uh, in this time? You look at the likes of the, the, the Daily Mail. Tim, shoot me for always mentioning the Daily Mail. But uh, there was an article there yesterday saying it's not whether we're going to um, have an enjoyable Christmas. It's whether we're going to actually make Christmas. Uh, but let's see how, how we get on. So let's get our, our speakers to introduce themselves. So, Tim, over to you, please. Who are you and who do you represent? Tim O'Malley, Group Managing Director Nationwide Produce. So we're a fresh produce distributor, grower, importer, exporter. Okay, sites. What sites do you have? Oh, uh, we've got five on the UK mainland. Uh, Evesham, Long Sutton, Spalding, Lancashire, uh, Kent, uh, two in Holland, one in Spain, one in Dublin and one in Belfast. But not one in the Isle of Wight, yes. Not yet. Excellent. Joe, who are you and who are you representing, please? Yeah, my name is uh, Joe Shepperson. I'm secretary to the Cucumber Growers Association here in the UK. Um, our job in a nutshell is to look after the after the needs of the cucumber growers. Excellent. And uh, Joe, you did say in the green room, where, where are you today? Because you're on the road. Yeah, yeah, it's not the best picture behind me, unfortunately. But now I'm, I'm in the Lee Valley where, whew, I would say, at least 80% of the uh, UK uh, cucumbers are grown. Yeah. Amazing area. And uh, Porek, over to yourself. Who are you and who are you representing? Uh, Max, I'm the manager director for the Welsh Mushroom Group. Um, we're mushroom growers and packers in the UK and Ireland. Uh, we have operations in Evesham, Bury St Edmunds down near yourself, yeah. uh, Wexford and Tipperary in Ireland. Uh, we also work with a group of suppliers in Poland. We have about 500 uh, employees across Ireland and the UK and supply about 500 tonnes of mushrooms a week into yep. the UK marketplace. Can we say the best mushroom grower in the UK? No question. <laughs> Excellent. And, and Jack, over to you, please. Afternoon, Max. Afternoon, everybody. It's Jack Ward from the British Growers Association. Um, we work with a range of fresh produce uh, organisations across the industry. Uh, I've been heavily involved with all sorts of issues over the past uh, few months, um, and particularly the labour issue, which is troubling an awful lot of growers at the moment. 
It is. It is. So, gentlemen, let, let's uh, let's do this. Wish wish me luck on on this. If you could all turn off your uh, videos, um, and I will just find this da, 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 video. So I say I always have this issue with Zoom, but here we go. I think people should understand the short term nature of this the, the, the causes of it is caused by the global economy are coming back to life and we're going to address the the various supply chain problems but, the spikes but, but how? in every way that we can but how? and and that, that obviously we're talking to the energy companies uh, doing what we can to uh, keep prices low keep the um, to make sure that the, the supermarket shelves aren't empty and we have very very good supply but, chains in the uk but whatever but, you know, if i just more, in the long term I think what people want to, to know is what is the uh, what is the way forward? And first of all, the market uh, across the world is going to start clearing these problems, and they they will they will rectify themselves. But secondly, uh, what it's showing is why it's absolutely right to be investing in wind, to be investing in in so, but also to be putting in nuclear. So if you look at our ten point plan. But, for, but forgive, me, but forgive me, Prime uh, Minister, I think at the moment, the I think at the moment, people would like to know how they're going to put food on the table in the next few weeks and months, well, rather than thinking about yeah. a long-term 10-point plan. Actually, I don't know what you what, quite what you're saying, but we don't see, we don't, I don't believe that people will be uh, will be short of food. And wages are actually rising uh, now under this government. If that's what you're trying to But prices are, are rising, rising but Prime Minister, Prime Minister, that is a great thing. So, oh, so everyone, turn the videos back on, please. So it's I wanted to, to roll that because it's uh, it just gave a give, give you the the politicians' uh, remit, I suppose, of uh, that there is no problem. There's there's no issues here. Um, but uh, Tim and I, we were on with John Lucy from the RHA Road Haulage Association. Help me, Tim. It feels like about three months ago, and um, yeah. just stating that as a Tim's expression, Tim could not get wheels under under produce at that point in time, and no one, even even um, the RHA, wasn't being taken seriously. And and then it all blew up on the on the back of that. So we've got to, the, the Prime Minister um, out there saying uh, that there, there isn't an issue, but as we know, there is a significant issue, uh, even more so with. The, the lack of the, the, the CO2. So let's go around everyone and just get their the views, starting with, uh, with Tim. Tim, do you want to just highlight the, the article that we published, um, and it was published in a, in a lot of the trade, um, and if you haven't read um, Tim's article, just, just tell me and I'll um, send you a copy, because it's been viewed over 10,000 times on our, our website alone. Tim, over to you. Tell us about your article and what you're seeing in the market, please. It's just highlighting the issues that we're having, and I think I've never, I mean, we deal with a lot of growers, and uh, not just in the UK, but throughout Europe, but partic obviously particularly UK growers where I'm interested in here. And they, they're, they're getting increasingly disillusioned. And, and I think with the policy that we've got towards pricing, mainly from the supermarkets, but not, not exclusively the supermarkets, but with the policy we've got towards pricing, growing veg in the UK is becoming or has been for some time unsustainable. There's this... We've had a price war raging here now for 13 years. We used to measure price wars in weeks and months back in the day. And I think, you know, it kicked in in 2008. The, the, the discounters saw an opportunity. Uh, they took it. Uh, and then the big four <clears throat> um, 
had to slash their prices accordingly. And you thought that might have gone on for the recession, you know, for a couple of years, but it's just continued. You flick on the TV now in nearly every advert break, uh, there's the, the, there's the, those dreaded words, Aldi price match, whether it come from Tesco, Sainsbury's or whoever. This, this, and, and, and with that come this constant grinding down of, uh, of fresh produce prices. And I, th- I also think that um, quality has been sacrificed on the altar of price with the retailers as well. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's not just the retailers, but unfortunately they're the biggest part of the market and whatever they do, everyone else will follow. And they, we just seem to enter into price negotiation, contract price negotiations now, or for the last 10, 13 years, seem to start with an expectation of a, of a price reduction. Uh, and, and now more than ever, every cost in the book for producers is up. I mean, we farm, we pack, we grade. We know ourselves, we farm 500 acres, we've got, We've got a, a, an onion pack house. We've got warehouses and depots. We've got pickers. We've got lorry drivers. We've got a lorry fleet. Every single cost in the book is up, and most of it in double digit. Uh, and you're going on to uh, buyers, whether it be in food service, we're more food service orientated, but whether it be food service or retail or whatever. And yet they still they use these two words that shouldn't even enter the negotiation, price reduction. Yeah. Um I mean, we, one of our guys said he spoke to one buyer recently and he was just teeing him up for the next round of price negotiations to do a, a yearly contract. Uh, and the buyer rang him and said, just to give you the heads up, you're going to need to be about 12% down this time. 12% down. Hell. You know what I mean? Okay. It's, it's just, it, it's, it's bonkers in this day and age. So it's becoming, it's becoming farming, growing veg in the UK is becoming, yeah. or, or has been for some time, unsustainable. And, and, and Tim, just to present some words back, to you that's uh, that's you used with me earlier this week when you see a sector that's seen something in the region of a billion pounds worth of extra sales you'd expect there to be uh, an uptick in, in margin return but no not in, in in fresh produce if you look at tim's article he details out through the help of the, the great guys at Cantar uh, the volume peaks that we're seeing but also the drastic and uh, uh, reduction in, in margin return you just wouldn't see that in, in, in any other sector and um, so i just again endorse you to read uh, tim's article tim thank you joe over to you tell us about um, your open letter that that we picked up on social media and hence um, us, us requesting that you, you come on um, tell us about your open letter that you wrote on behalf of the cucumber growers association please sure yeah so the so the, C, the CDA effectively doesn't doesn't have a, a big voice in the UK, but we felt at the time that we we published a letter that you know it was time that we had a crack at it and see who would sit up and listen to us. So it was highlighting the three core issues that we see facing us over the next twelve months. Um, first one being labour that we've already mentioned. Second one, which is key to the gas uh, glasshouse industry, is is the rising ever increasing gas price. Yeah. And thirdly, the 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 transport issue that we have and them three together is how we've seen it is creating the perfect storm for next season and to use a comment that you you mentioned earlier to put put wheels under the fresh produce there is there is a real chance next year especially in the early months there won't be any produce to move anyway coming from the glasshouse industry oh my god okay i mean that's (laughs) wow joe just let me let me Present that back to you. Do, are you. Are you serious? Do you, do you think there's a possibility that that actually might happen? Well, like I said, because it, it's, it's it's already happening, Max. So we we have 
if we if we talk about glasshouse as a whole, we have we have tomato growers that, that should be planting in the next next four, five, six weeks. And it, I can't mention names specifically, but there's there's plants that are at the propagators ready to go that these growers have asked the propagator to put in the bin because it's just not worth growing them. So then that already is a large percentage of the market that's gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. the 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 peaks in production because <laughs> I don't think it'll get to the stage where these people aren't growing at all. It'll just push production back yeah. months, not not days, not weeks, but it'll be months and be there'll be more reliance on imports and sort of to bang the drum, this this gas price isn't just UK, it's it's European wide. So there's yeah. going to be more reliance on imports next year. And yeah. if the likes of Spain and Morocco have a have a tough winter and they have issues of their own, yeah. then there's only there's only going to be so much the imports can cover. Yeah, Joe. I mean, I read that letter and I thought it was a fantastic letter. By the way, it was really well written. And you know, as growers ourselves, I mean, but we just we grow root crops. And uh, so, reading your letter, I, I used to work for V8 Van Harding Brothers, so I, I know what it's like about greenhouse and and how big an impact energy has on it. But you put it in, you, you name the figures, and you said that thirty percent of the cost of your inputs uh, is energy. Uh, eats gas and that's gone up 300% in price yeah you know, when you read that as a grower you just you start you, I mean your mind boggling I mean we're competing on fertilizer at the moment I mean everybody's talking about fertilizer we bought 80% of our fertilizer for this coming growing season thank god at a fixed price of 270 pound a ton out of interest we spoke to our fertilizer provider yesterday and said if we were to buy the extra 20% now what would we be talking he said about 450 so that, just, that, just that's to, not even a hundred percent increase. You're talking about a three hundred percent increase, and that's on something that is thirty percent of your cost. You've yeah, got, you know, yeah. if you're a cucumber grower, I was talking to my brother about it. If you're a cucumber grower, you'd be sat there now thinking, you know, this isn't going to stack. I, if, uh, if I that, put, I, I'm, better off, I'm better off leaving those plants where they are. So, gents, I've, I've used this expression so many times on these broadcasts. We are there's an internal comment within within government um, that they're frightened that we are but four missed meals from anarchy. So, if mm. uh, Joe Public doesn't get four consecutive meals, there's a problem. No one actually realised that um, if they can't get any meals and they can't heat themselves because there's no gas, uh, where are we all going to end up? But look at what the prime minister said in his video earlier: it's all going to be all okay. Um, Porek, come on, mushroom sector. Presumably, it's not as adversely hurt as the, as the veg sector with Tim and the, and the salad sector as, as Joe, or is it? Uh, yeah, we, we are because we're a very labour intensive uh, industry. So the, the challenges that we've had on labour uh, over the last few months is, uh, is really hurting our industry, really hurting our industry. And you referred there to um, four means away from anarchy. I mean, at the outset of Brexit, I said, you know, if Brexit happens, and food goes short, there will be riots on the street. Like, you know, that's from somebody looking in from the outside. Uh, and I still think that, and I don't think we're a million miles from that. Um, your original question, have we hit rock bottom? I don't think we have, um, but one thing for sure is the current situation is unsustainable. And um, I think we're a long way from rock bottom and it's unsustainable at the moment. Uh, we need access to labor and we need it urgently not um, short-term visas uh, because, you know, to train a harvester is a three-month, four-month um, training process. Uh, we need a stable, long-term workforce that um, care about the business, care about uh, the product, uh, care about the food we're supplying to uh, our consumers. 
and uh, the labour force that's available to us at the moment uh, is not that, it's a transient labour force at best. Yeah. Uh, the SAWS scheme is not fit for purpose for our industry because we're year-round 365 days a year. So, okay. uh, so labour has been the real, real uh, killer in our industry. We also have a lot of inflation on packaging, film, cardboard, haulage, energy, you name it. Um, and you know we need two simple fixes. We need the government to address uh, the restrictions on free movement of labour, and we need uh, consumers and customers to accept that cheap food was delivered on the back of cheap labour and a strong sterling, and neither of those are in existence anymore. So we need price increases. Well, well done. Well done, Parker. It's uh, again going back to what the Prime Minister was saying about uh, we're seeing wage inflation. Will the consumer be happy to actually pay realistic prices for, for fresh produce? Comment rather than a, than a question. Jack, over to you. You must be you must be inundated with similar comments as of the likes of Tim, Joe, and Porek from the the, the myriad of uh, of uh, grow organisations that you represent. Jack, what are you seeing, please? Yeah, we had a meeting of um, growers uh, earlier in the week, and I'd absolutely mirror what um, Tim was saying about disillusioned growers um, and the pressure that they are under. And the situation is, as has been explained, completely unsustainable. Just also picking up on a point that Joe was making about tomato growers asking the breeders to, um, or the, the plant suppliers to, um, throw the plants in the bin. That is so tragic because we rely so heavily on imported products. I don't know whether people understand that eight out of 10 tomatoes are imported. There is a terrific opportunity to up the UK production of tomatoes. And Joe has graphically outlined, you know, what the problem is. You know, that's why we're in this position and we're so reliant on imported food is because people haven't got the confidence to invest you know, and that situation doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, let me just come back to the, the comments that Boris Johnson was making, um, because you know, what highlights for me is an absolute master at avoiding the issue. Time and time again, you heard Laura Koinsberg saying, yes, but can you answer the question? And time and time again, he dodges it. And, and you see this across government and across um, cabinet ministers. They have this sort of mantra where everything is great and we've done really well on this and we've done really well on that. And you go, yeah, but what about the things that aren't working so well? Uh, and, you know, I think for me, that's one of the big issues is trying to get some of the people in key decisions. And the Home Office is a classic example of this to face up to the realities of what people on the ground in the UK are actually experiencing and how they could help. We have written to the Home Secretary, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to see whether we get a response. Um, we've written to the Home Secretary asking, you know, for the kind of things that um, Pereg was um, talking about. But, you know, you just got to wonder if they're listening and whether they have any sense of plan to get us some of the industries out of the situation that we're facing at the moment. I think it's really worrying and I really fear for the way the government is being is operating at the moment. Just, sorry, just to jump in, Jack, just to put some figures to the um, tomato growers and the labour issues. Just at the weekend, there was a piece done by Wonga in the UK who mentioned last week they had to dump £320,000 worth of produce 
purely down to labour and drivers. They haven't got people to pick them, they haven't got people to move them. So they've just had to go straight in the bin. £320,000 worth. Hmm. Okay, so, so gentlemen, there's, a, there's that comment uh, from Warren Buffett, when the tide goes out, you can really see who is naked. And I think he, he used that as an expression of, um, of businesses, when businesses go through a hard time. And unfortunately, I suppose that, that relates to some fresh produce businesses because some fresh produce businesses have always operated on, on debt and uh, have worked on the basis of turnover. But also on a government perspective, um, we've, we've um, unfortunately, we've got no real um, opposition party at the moment because they seem to be more concentrating on, on fighting a battle with the unions at next, next week's uh, Labour Party conference in Basingstoke or Brighton, wherever it is, that we don't seem to be able to hold the com- current government to, to account. Yeah, I, I just find it odd that um, we have this CO2 crisis and, and in a relatively short period of time, they've gone and thrown an undisclosed amount of money at an American firm to kickstart the two CO2 plants, which is great, which means that some uh, gas can come back into the system and the, 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 the pig of the poultry sector have been badly hit on, on that side. But as I said uh, before, uh, we've had Jack on uh, numerous broadcasts on this basis. We've had um, Tim on before um, and the government just doesn't seem to be reacting. They've sort of reacted now on the haulage side. But Porik, what, 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 Porik, what do you think we need to do on the Labour side? If they if they realize that they hear this halcyon call from the likes of the four of you that literally we cannot feed the uk population because we can't get the labor Porik, what do you think do you, do you think they, they will actually do something about it what do you think um yeah i'm concerned uh, because i don't think uh, the government is listening uh, and I, I just took a note here how do we get through to policymakers? i mean our own um site down in bury st edmunds was operating at 75 percent capacity all summer because we just didn't have the people and we got to the month of August, peak holiday season, and um, you know we ended up losing crop and dumping crop because we just okay. couldn't harvest it. But that's falling on deaf ears, that, 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 as far as I can see. What do we need? Uh, we need access to a workforce that are looking to come to the country to work for a longer period than six months uh, under the SAWS scheme. Without the SAWS scheme, this summer, we would have been at 50%. Uh, and this is UK production. I mean, the UK could be self-sufficient in mushrooms as one product that could be. But what they're going to actually do is reduce the production in the UK because there's no labour. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's going to actually fall instead of increase um, following Brexit. OK, Porik, I've, I've had the inevitable question on WhatsApp. Why can't the British workforce uh, take, take those jobs that, uh, uh, that, that, are, that are much needed? In, in the way in Western Europe, and it's not just in Britain, uh, people don't work in the food industry. Don't you know? Irish people don't do it. Uh, German people don't do it. British people don't do it. It's um, you know, it's tough work. Uh, it's um, it's seven days a week. I think it's probably um, the biggest issue. It's unsustainable. It starts early in the morning. Um, so it's sorry, it's unsociable hours, um, and I think that might be the reason why um, they don't. I mean, we, we've tried to source locally, both in Ireland and the UK, and um, been unsuccessful, really, on many, many occasions. Um, and I, I just don't see it as an option. And, and for anyone to say that it is an option, then, you know, they really need to come down and see uh, the efforts that we've made to, to recruit locally and, and failed. Yeah, and I apologise in some respects for asking that question, but we do have a, a lot of people um, outside of the sector di- dialing in into these broadcasts, so it's good to educate them 
again and again that it's, it's not that you all are not trying to employ um, a local um, populace to, to come and do the jobs. It's that, and, and, and you look where we are at the moment, we've got some of the highest job availability uh, since, since, the, since the 50s, um, I, I believe. So it's so difficult to fulfill. As aware of those uh, Eastern European workers gone, uh, they've gone gone back home, uh, race rates have, uh, have risen there. And as uh, Porat mentioned right at the beginning, uh, we don't have the administration system to, 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 to get them uh, back in. Jack, do you, do you think it would, a, a bit like with the with the haulage side where they've looked to streamline uh, testing now of, uh, of new drivers. Do you think it's literally that that we just need a, a stroke of a pen to open up the, um, the, the 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 admin the paperwork the red red tape elements to get these workers back in? What do you think, Jack? Well, it's interesting because I had a conversation with the road hauliers three or four weeks ago because I was intrigued to understand how they were getting on with the politicians um, over the lorry driver shortage. And they explained to me that they had written to senior levels within government, I think two months earlier, and had yet to have a response. Uh, and I think we went through week after week after week where successive ministers on behalf of the government came out and said, there isn't a problem, uh, you've just got to suck it up, um, go out and recruit, pay proper wages, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the past, what, fortnight, it suddenly dawned on the government that they've got to do something. And so they've reorganized the way the testing is done because actually their line was wrong. The road hauliers line was right and there was a shortage and they needed to do something about it. And I kind of think we're going to go through exactly the same kind of pain with the home office in terms of getting them to see that we too are short of people to do this work. Um, I mean, the, you know, the reality is that people in the UK are looking for full-time jobs or regular part-time jobs, and most jobs in the fresh produce industry are largely seasonal, um, and that's not what the majority of people are looking at for when they want to come their job, want to come and get a job. There are a couple of points I was going to raise. There's a sort of strange irony here, isn't there? If we've been in this situation while we were still in the EU, the government would have turned around and said. We cannot intervene because of the EU legislation that stops us um, supporting particular industries um, within our, our, our own country. We came out of the EU, we've taken back control. Does it feel like the government is in control of the current situation? Does anybody feel that the government is in control here? Because it came out with this mantra, taking back control, we would be able to do what we want, we'd be able to support our industries as we saw fit, and yet we're in this situation. Do we feel supported by the government? No, I don't think we do at all. Yeah. And, and just go back to the haulage side, when um, the, uh, the, the, the business, uh, the trade groups like the RHA actually got face to face meetings with, uh, with government, they were accused of scaremongering. Um, and, and look where we are now. So are we, can we learn something from this, uh, this, this, this block that we have within government that, that everyone, we've got, we got to shout louder to them, especially on the, on the labour issue, so that they have a full understanding, so they actually do something about it. Um, Tim, just come back to yourself. I don't, I'm sure you remember. Um, it was February, two, February 2019. I interviewed you at Fruit Logistica, and you were then stating about wage issues 
um, making this comparison that um, someone in a Starbucks in America was uh, potentially on 25 US um, an hour because that was the only way they could uh, secure um, labor. So on the basis of what the prime minister said to um, Tim earlier, um, did, can, can you as a business, do, do you think the other businesses you're associated with can pay 20 pound an hour and 10 pound an hour uh, bonus figures for, for just turning up on a, on, a, on a Monday? Do you think that's feasible, Tim? This is where I slightly disagree with Podrick. That I think uh, we could get British workers. Um, they wouldn't as be as productive as Polish, uh, as Eastern European workers, but we could get them. But but we'd have to pay substantially more than what we're paying at the moment. Um, why why in this current economy when uh, the only people who aren't working are people who don't want to work at the moment? So why would anybody want to go and bend over double in a field to pick lettuce or pick cauliflower or even in a factory to cut mushrooms or in our factory to pick off uh, onions at nine to ten pound an hour when you could get a million people offering you the same in a nice warm shop or a nice warm restaurant with tits or whatever? You know, there's we're just competing. Again, everybody's looking for that level of labour and everybody's looking to pay minimum wage or next to minimum wage and we aren't attractive at all and I think we're going to have to accept the fact that we're going to have to pay considerably more with better working conditions and but for for, for less productive labor and for all that to happen then again it, it feeds back we've got to have inflation we've got to have price inflation I mean this industry is bonkers isn't it we were saying before that what you've got this su supply and demand thing haven't you so supply and demand that the, the retailers uh, are, are, getting an extra billion pounds worth of, uh, of business during that last full year, May to May, throughout the whole pandemic issue, a billion pounds worth of extra business, extra fruit and veg business. And in any other industry where you get that, that sort of spiking demand, you get a spiking price. And then on top of that, your costs are up because you're social distancing and your PPE. And what happens in our industry, just about every single product, if you read that Kantar, Kantar report, the price has gone down. We're just yeah. driving the price, constantly driving the price down. It's, it's, it's so, bonkers. So, so Tim, Max, you get the... Max, could I come in there on the, oh, the wage right, go. Go, go. Yeah, and, and, and wage rates? I mean, wage rates in our industry is pretty good. Uh, we're not, we don't have any issue with wage inflation. I have no issue with it personally. I think, uh, I think if we're paying more, that's not a bad thing. I'd like to think that our, our customers will consider it a good thing as well. And, and, and um, compensate us for, for the wage inflation. I mean, you can't have, as I, say, I, I said earlier on, cheap food was delivered on the back of cheap labour. And therefore, food inflation has to come along with wage inflation. And, you know, we would welcome that and support that. Um, you know, we pay, uh, we pay well, um, but, you know, as Tim, as Tim has said it earlier on, that we are competing with uh, maybe nicer sectors to work in, like restaurants or uh, shops or whatever. Um, we're now operating in a, in a, in a labour pool that it's just, it's not, um, they're not in it for the long term. It's a transient workforce. Uh, and, and so we, I think we need to go outside Europe uh, exactly. because we've gone as east as far east as we can go and the workforce that's coming uh, to us at the moment are not in it for the long term at best six to 12 months and then go go back home and live on the live on the proceeds so um you know the fresh produce industry do pay well uh, and it's a pity that there's a there's a perception out there that we don't pay well um but we just can't compete i guess with the 
maybe um, I don't know if you want to consider it sexier industries um, where people can work in the hotel restaurants and get tips etc like you know we, we, we just can't compete with that sector in terms of wages because the price we get for our product is not good enough well, if we can't compete if we can't compete with that sector then we're not playing well we're not playing well in the marketplace and I think that's my point is that you know if, if that's what you're competing against, uh, then you're not paying well. And therefore, if it's a, a tougher job and, and you need better working conditions, then we're going to have to pay considerably more. And it's exactly what happened in the States. When I was over in the States, just pre-pandemic, the guys there were moaning about the fact that Trump had turned off the Mexican tap and wages, I think, off the top of me had gone from about $12 to $18. And uh, there was, that, you know, that's about a 50% leap. Well, that's what you have to pay. And they were also saying, coincidentally, that it's less productive labour than the Mexicans. But they were actually managing to finally pull some people away from the shops and the restaurants because they were able to pay them actually more. Um, I hear today that they're paying 22 to $25. I mean, you know, it, it's what's happened over there and it's what we've got to do. Uh, I, I think we'll get to the stage, I said in my article, that we'll be, that we'll be paying around fi uh, £15 an hour for packhouse staff and, and field staff, £20 an hour. Um, it's, the only way you, it's the only way you're going to get people in. And then, unfortunately, it'll be less productive. So with all those factors in mind, you've got to finally have something that we haven't had for 13 years, yeah, and that okay. is food price inflation. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, can I just ask Joe, Joe, on behalf of the, 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 the cucumber growers, do, do you think um, presenting their workers more money um, uh, or, or potential new workers, do you think that will attract them in to your members? I think it will attract them in, but it's keeping them. That'll be the problem. I think with... If we talk about British workforce, I personally think you, you could pay them 20, 30, 40 pounds an hour. But after after a couple of the, couple of weeks at, at the height of summer, for example, I just can't see that the, the British workforce would stick around. Yeah. OK. I, I, OK, so just uh, coming, coming back to this point about uh, margin, margin return. Um, do you think that the, the, the magic wand and all this is, is this uh, price inflation, food inflation that we need to see from, from the retailers and for them to be uh, to, to pass it on? So, Tim, just as per the example that you gave with, the, with your buyers of them being told that they, they've got to be whatever the figure was, 10, 12 percent lower than last year. We're also picking up the suppliers are going to retailers for tenders saying mm -hmm. that, um, um, Mr. Retailer, you actually got to pay us 12 percent more. Do you think there's a, now a case for the fresh produce sectors to do what we've been potentially not that good at is actually having unity and looking to go on force the retailers and saying we need better margin returns to, to survive, um, to be able to invest for the future, to get you the labor, to get you the product for your for your customers. Do you, do you think as a as a as a as a fresh produce group, as a sector, that we can we can do that? Jack. Go on, Jack. I'm going to aim at Jack first. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I've kind of been floating this idea with with various um, of our associations about you know, having trying to create a dialogue with the retailers about how we make this whole thing more sustainable. You know, how can we create a better partnership between growers, um, retailers, and consumers? where there's a better understanding of the costs involved in production, how we make things sustainable, and particularly over the next 10 years, you know, if we're truly heading towards a situation of zero carbon um, and all the other kind of environmental bits and pieces that people are looking for and that we need to deliver, 
Um, the only conclusion you can come to is that things are going to cost more to produce. And we've just got to be honest with the public and consumers and say, this is the way it's going to be, that you know, prices are going to go up because we've got to have this sort of distribution of a more equitable return back towards the growers. Otherwise, we're just going to end up scouring the world for the lowest cost supplier and all of your environmental concerns might yeah. as well go out the window because all we have done is just offshored any environmental damage associated with production. You know, and I think, you know, we've got, we've got to try and have those conversations because, you know, ultimately, I think we've got to work together with the retailers and consumers and just do a better job of explaining to them exactly what's involved and how much it all costs. Jack, thank you. And um, Porek and Tim, if you collectively went to your customers and said, this is the situation, labour costs, haulage costs, uh, lack of CO2, um, we need more margin uh, for, for us to invest in the business. For, for, for the, for the, do, you think you'd be, do you think you'd be pushing against an open door, Porek? No, obviously not. And I mean, you know, we have to realise that uh, every retail buyer is there to do a job and, and deliver um, probably savings year on year as opposed to um, price inflation. But look, I, I think we're rapidly get, getting to the point that, um, you know, who, who is going to be left to actually do the job? Um, certainly, uh, UK suppliers are coming under more and more pressure to survive uh, and be here next year. Uh, and I think if retailers want to uh, work with their supply base uh, and make sure they're here for the long term, then uh, they have to recognize that inflation is coming. There isn't a supplier around the corner that can just pick up your business because they don't have the yeah. workforce to do any extra volume. So I suppose that might give confidence to suppliers to go in and have that conversation, knowing that your competitors are equally in as dire situation as you are and therefore are not in a position to take up extra business. Yeah. Tim, come on, you're a shrewd negotiator. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you could go uh, to your customers and get, get a, a mandatory price increase across the board? But yeah, I was speaking to Lindsay at the grocer on this this week, and, and, and we sort of agreed that it'd be great if one of the retailers decided to turn price match schemes on their head and actually come out and say it's unsustainable and frankly unethical to yeah. price match the discounters at a time when the supply chain is creaking, to say the least. And maybe taking a leap, a leap of faith to educate customers to understand that all costs are rising, uh, which means when you see a full kilo bag of carrots at 40p or a head of iceberg at 39p, it actually means growers are losing money. Now, that sounds fanciful, but then it happened in the dairy industry. So the dairy industry, I mean, it, it, you only have to go on Tesco's website, Tesco Sustainable Dairy Group, TSDG. At Tesco, we are committed to selling high-quality milk sourced from British growers who benefit from our long-term support and are guaranteed a fair price for every pint. Find out more at our Fur for Farmers Guarantee Scheme. And they go on to say, I mean, they publish their prices that they pay their growers. It's totally open book and it's all about sustainability. The milk market has gone through some real peaks and yep. troughs with, with a massive drop in demand from Asia and, and so on. And so, uh, sorry, in, the drops in demand and spikes in su supply and everything else. So it has some real peaks and troughs. And to level that out, they said, we're going to pay UK growers a sustainable price. And they quote the figure of £300 million over the market price since they started it. And they've extended it to lamb and they've extended it to cheese. And then Sainsbury's wow. has got the Sainsbury's Dairy Development Group. So 
this sustainable farming uh, uh, pricing is in, in is in operation on Tesco. It's prices are agreed with our farmers and set yep. for three months, ensuring stable income. And they say that the cost of feed, fuel, and fertilizer changes regularly. So we work with an independent agricultural consultancy to collate our farmers' costs to make sure the price continues to affect the group's production costs. Yep. Okay. So this is in operation in, in, in other sectors, sustainable pricing, in other, getting, a, getting an independent consultancy yeah. to check the prices and make sure the growers are getting paid the right price. Whereas in, in veg, one of the sexy, and never mind dairy, which is unsexy, this is the thing about us. We are so bloody bang on the nail at the moment. We are so sexy. You get you get the you get the Dimbleby report, and the Dimbleby report bangs on about we need to eat thirty percent less meat, thirty percent more fruit and veg. I went to I went to a, a, a trendy new restaurant in my hometown, Cambridge, plant based plant based restaurant. I've never paid so much for a, for a plate of a veg. Yeah. I mean, double figures for a plate of bloody veg, and all it was is roasted and coated in a bit of rubbish. Just, just, just endorse the point that Tim made about the deep de discounting. I'll go back to our friends, that's, uh, our great friends at Cantar, as they proved time and time again over the last three years, the deep discounting that comes from the, the, the discounters on the week before Christmas, where veg is just, it's, it's just costing nothing. It does nothing to improve yeah. footfall into, into those stores. Joe? Just yeah, just to jump in on that one, Max, because what to speak specifically about the cucumber growers, we're not asking for big increase. We're asking for a matter of pence per per yep. stick per cucumber. And that will make the difference to the level of investment that our growers can make and expand the industry. But the the biggest bugbear I have with this, if we look at a typical retail price of a cucumber, which is around 40, 45 pence at the minute. Are you telling me that 99% of the general public wouldn't pick up a cucumber and put it in their basket as the commodity item it is if that price was to say be, you know, between 50 and 60p? Exactly. Yeah, to to totally agree with you. And, and Tim, just going back a bit, you, you mentioned that, um, uh, that situation when you went to the States about uh, the, the growers there having to pay more to, to, to get their, their workers. Great question from Edwin Morehouse. Um, hi, Edwin. Did the U.S. growers manage to increase prices to compensate, including wage costs and reduce productivity? This is the U.K.'s problem. Tim, do, do you know if they did? Did they, they manage to get uh, an increase in prices? They were, t they were telling me they were, they were having the conversations. I mean, this would all crept up on them fairly, fairly suddenly there. But they, I think generally, the, I mean, it's a different way that they operate there. It's almost more like the, when I went to one of the big broccoli suppliers over there, they operated the same way as Unilever would. You know, they 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 set their own retails. Uh, uh, Man Broccoli was telling me that for Walmart supplies, all, all the Walmart's broccoli throughout the US at the time, and we pay so much for the shelf space, we pay a bit more for the end of shelf spaces, we promise so many, we guarantee so many promotions, we set our retails ourselves, but then we've got to make sure that the retailer gets a good profit. It's a different model. It's a different model. But I think that... that they're a bit tougher out there, and I think they're uh, I'm, Texas I'm sure tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so so guys, we're just starting to run out of the time. What would be great now, as I, as I said at the start of the intro, is to get some some is positivity the right word? Perhaps get some solutions collectively. Uh, get some solutions, and it looks like we've got a, a number of threads to pull on um, here. So so Porik, you need more labour, so we need to need to wave the proverbial magic wand with that. And and Porik, do you think the answer there is is with the government? Um, so if we could if we could influence lobby government to see where the issues as they saw with the haulage side, 
um, that if we don't get you labor and similar businesses to you being, being the likes of um, um, Joe's um, uh, cucumber growers, um, well, to go back to that alarmist statement, sorry for saying that word, word Joe, but it's so true that potentially you're not gonna have any product. Uh, your growers aren't gonna have any product to say. So, so is that your main uh, wish? Uh, Porik, from from this situation, is to get that labour for government to orchestrate that that labour um, easing for you. Yeah, I mean, we you know we've got two. One one is obviously the labour is the big issue. Uh, it's one of the biggest assets in any business is your workforce. Um, there is the option of bringing in. The option that could be there to bring in labour through the tier two visa scheme if the government were to um, uh, look at our industry favorably and allow people to come in through that visa scheme like you know uh, so it's not cheap uh it's quite expensive but it's an investment in um staff for the long term yeah. and it would give us a stable workforce the other thing we need is we need price inflation to cover all the inflation we've had um and it's been massive i don't think i've ever seen inflation like we've seen in the last three or four months through haulage uh plastic yeah. cardboard film it's, it's it's just been unrelenting and really you know that has to be paid for some way or other like you know, so okay. there are two big asks i guess as a, as okay well, well done so easing of um labor restrictions and, and uh, a better margin return joe over to you what do you want to see that we can we can collectively all lobby on your behalf. What do you want to see for the, the cucumber growers members? Um, yeah, I think the the better margin return would would help solve a lot of a lot of issues. Um, but also to see um, follow on from what Patrick was saying about the the visa scheme. I appreciate what he says that the the workforce is is short term with it being either six to twelve months, but. If we could extend that visa initially to a 12-month period then that at least covers us for a full growing season because currently that's six months and the people that are coming in generally are lesser lesser qualified should we say than what the the polish polish people of old were so it, it can take three or four months to get them trained up to a, a reasonable standard to work at the same speed and then following three months they're gone again and you have to start yeah. start scratch okay thank you Tim, what do you want to see? Come on, let, let's use this platform. What's the housing call from yourself? Through price inflation. And I think, with, you know, I've, I've said it before, with with the end, end of the era of cheap labour comes the end of the era of cheap food, and by God, we've had cheap food. Uh, you know, as a, a, as a percentage of disposable income, I think I read the other day that it had gone down from 35% in the 50s to 11 or 12% now. And I think particularly on fruit and veg, we're just used to cheap food, but also... A recognition, particularly by the retailers, of, of the cost, and maybe setting up like Tesco Sustainable Dairy Group, yeah. so doing something for for veg. Because from what I hear from most of the veg packers, they'll send their spreadsheet when they're doing the when they're doing the tenders. They'll send their spreadsheets through to the supermarkets. They'll tell them about how all the extra costs have risen, and it's almost like when it comes to the actual negotiation, it's almost like that spreadsheet didn't exist. It yeah. just starts with, "Oh, sorry, your competitor is offering me five percent less." We, we just food price we've got to get food price inflation okay jack as i said earlier you represented a number of key mm. industry trade group, groups what would you like to see what was the housing call that you'd like to put out well i think I, I i make this point every time we 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 talk max but it's very very important i mean fresh produce is one of the most important grocery categories there is um, and as Tim has been saying, you know, it's a key to a healthy lifestyle. All of the you know, tides should be flowing in our direction. 
but we really, I think, do need a better understanding by the retailers of the stresses and strains that um, growers face and sort of an appreciation of what's needed to make sure that there is a sufficient production basis here in five to 10 years time. And I think that does come from a better partnership. And I think from a government point of view, we just need them to drop their ideological stance on so many issues and face up to some of the realities that businesses up and down the country are facing and having taken back control, having sh shed the shackles of uh, EU and all of the constraints, for God's sake, come and help us. We're not asking for the earth. It's not a huge amount. All we're saying is give us the opportunity, give us the tools and we'll do the job. Boom. Jack, Prime Minister um, in waiting. Um, so everyone, let's just wrap up, um, make a prediction. What are we going to see in a year's time in fresh produce, Porek? Uh, a reduction in UK production. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Joe. Yeah, in a nutshell, Podrick's nailed it. It'll be a reduction in UK production and a reduction in, in the growers that we have, because a lot of them won't make it through next year. Okay, That's Tim. Thank you, Joe. Tim. I, I agree. We're going to be moving product, more production abroad, which is lamentable at a time when you know, we, we import 67% of our fresh fruit and veg already, and I think we're pushing uh, pushing more abroad. But I think that the government will be forced into uh, one of their usual U-turns, but it'll probably happen uh, when the supply chain is just about broken on its knees. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that looks a bit predictable on the, on the basis of what, what happened with the with the haulage sector. So, so come on, let, let's end up with a with a, with a positive side. What 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 positivity do you think we can see out of this? Do you think three years down the line we will have an even better fresh produce robust structure because we will have haulage sorted, we will have labour sorted, and we will have margin sorted? Porek, what do you think? Three years out, are we going to learn from these speed bumps, um, and will we be, will we be able to create a better industry? Yeah, look at I mean, I'm, uh, we'll all be here, I'm sure, in three years' time. Um, you know, we really just need. The stakeholders to get in, get invested in the in the industry, and I'm talking about the government and the retailers uh, as well as industry, um, to make British production uh, better, uh, make it more sustainable. As I said earlier on, uh, we could be self-sufficient in mushrooms, in particular, as an indoor crop. Um, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for the government um, to turn around and say, you know, here's one sector we've become fully fully um, self-sufficient in. Fantastic, Joe. Do you endorse? What Porek says, in three years out, do you think we can actually learn from the, the, these current issues? Absolutely. And I think what I've seen from the glasshouse industry the, the past three years also, the, the positive message is there are external investors from far afield that are wanting to invest into the British industry. So we, as a country, as a government, as retailers, whatever it may, may be, need to keep making it attractive for them and back, back British at the end of the day. Well said, back British. Tim, three years out, are you positive? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that finally, uh, you know, the, uh, this is going to come to roost and the retailers do expect, and not just the retailers, food service right across the card, we, we get some food <laughs> price inflation. Uh, and then I'd be more than, as I said the other day, I'd be more than happy to be paying staff more. And if that means 15 to 20 pound an hour and better working conditions, uh, provided we're getting it at the other end, that's fine by me. And that's better for the industry to make us a more attractive industry. So, you know, if we if we can get that traction from, from our customers, 
to, to pay more, to get some food price inflation. And that feeds down to better pay and working conditions for staff and therefore a more attractive industry uh, for, for people to come into, then that's a good thing. And I just hope that that can happen. Tim, thank you. Jack, just to wrap up for us, there's, there's always a positive from a negative. It feels like there's, uh, we, we've got a hard old run to, to, to get to, 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 to Christmas, but the, from what I'm learning from these uh, the, these experts that we've garnered together, there, there looks to be some positivity if we can get the help from government, if we can get not help from the retailers, that, that due margin return. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I think I think the one you know bright spot is that vegetables are going to play a more and more important part. Fruit and veg is going to play a more and more important part of people's diet. There's going to be more and more interest in it. And hopefully that's going to lead to a situation where more and more people question why we have to import so much product that we could produce here ourselves. I was interested to see Jeremy Clarkson um, you know, joined the Back British Farming campaign last week, and he was making exactly that point, is why, when we have got all of this productive capacity, do we rely so heavily on imported product when we could do it here ourselves? And what we really need is more and more consumers to ask that question, because actually we have got the answer and there is an opportunity for us to do a lot more than we are currently doing. Yeah, Jack, well done. Um, Porek, thank you. Joe, thank you. Tim, thank you. I think we've learned a, a lot from today. We're going to get this a recording when it's uh, uh, finished out to our press contacts and mainstream media to try and get this halcyon message out about what this, uh, this sector needs. So fingers crossed with all of the conversation, the debate that everyone is happy within the sector. Hopefully we can create that positivity that we all want to go for. And as, as Tim keeps on saying, we're sexy. This is, a, this is our, I say this word, this halcyon moment. Everyone wants to consume fruit and veg and ideally from, from the UK. So we just need those, those couple of things from, from government and retailers to create that magic so that we can feed the nation and make the nation a far better and healthier place. So before we, before we wrap up, Tim, um, on, on the basis that we're all going to create success three years out, in three years' time, are you still going to be supporting Everton? Yeah, forever, mate. Forever. Yeah, don't even question that. A blue, and, I'm a blue till I die. And something, some things in life never change. We'll keep going at this. Everyone, thank you very much for your time. Be well. Thanks, Max. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.